when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches last long. Stately, plump, bug bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Circe, episode three, read by Adam Biles, Ben Brown, Amy Burgess, Amanda Dennis, Heather Hartley, Octavia Morgan, and Kate Boston. Featuring Francesca Reese as Bella Cohen, with Linda Fallon as Leopold Bloom, and Lex Paulson as the narrator. The door opens. Bella Cohen, a massive whore mistress, enters. She is dressed in a three-quarter ivory gown, fringed round the hem with tasseled selvage, and cools herself, flirting a black horn fan like Minnie Hauk in Carmen. On her left hand are wedding and keeper rings. Her eyes are deeply carboned. She has a sprouting mustache. Her olive face is heavy, slightly sweated and full-nosed, with orange-tainted nostrils. She has large pendant barrel eardrops. Bella. My word, I'm all of a muck sweat. She glances around her at the couples. Then her eyes rest on Bloom with hard insistence. Her large fan winnows wind towards her heated face, neck, and embonpoint. Her falcon eyes glitter. The fan, flirting quickly, then slowly. Married, I see. Bloom. Yes, hardly. I have mislaid. The fan, half opening, then closing. And the missus is master. Petticoat government. Bloom looks down with a sheepish grin. That is so. The fan, folding together, rests against her eardrop. Have you forgotten me? Yes, no. The fan, folded akimbo against her waist. Is me her? Was you dream before? Was then she him you us since knew? I'm all them, and the same with now we? Bella approaches, gently tapping with the fan. Bloom, wincing. Powerful being. In my eyes, read that slumber which women love. The fan, tapping. We have met. You are mine. It is fate. Bloom, cowed. Exuberant female. Enormously I desiderate your domination. I am exhausted. Abandoned. No more young. I stand, so to speak, with an unposted letter bearing the extra regulation fee before the too late box of the general post office of human life. The door and window open at a right angle, cause a draft of 32 feet per second according to the law of falling bodies. I have felt this instant a twinge of sciatica in my left gluteal muscle. It runs in our family. Poor dear papa, a widower, is a regular barometer vomit. He believed in animal heat. The skin of tabby lined his winter waistcoat. Near the end, remembering King David and the Sunamite, he shared his bed with Athos, faithful after death. A dog's spittle, as you probably... He winces. <laughs> ah. Richie Golding, bag-weighted, passes the door. Mocking his catch. Best value in dub. Fit for a prince's liver and kidney. The fan, tapping. All things end. Be mine, now. Bloom, undecided. All now? I should not have parted with my talisman. Rain, exposure at dewfall on the sea rocks, peccadillo at my time of life. Every phenomenon has a natural cause. The fan points downwards slowly. You may. Bloom looks downwards and perceives her unfastened bootlace. We are observed. The fan points downwards quickly. You must. Bloom with desire, with reluctance. I can make a true black knot. Learned when I served my time and worked the mail order line for Kellett's. Experienced hand. Every knot says a lot. Let me, in courtesy, I knelt once before today. 
Bella raises her gown slightly and, steadying her pose, lifts to the edge of a chair a plump, buskined hoof and a full pastern silk stocked. Bloom, stiff-legged, aging, bends over her hoof and with gentle fingers draws out and in her laces. Bloom murmurs lovingly, More to be a shoe-fitter in Mansfield is my love's young dream. The darling joys of sweet button-hooking. To lace up crisscrossed to knee-length the dressy kid, but wear a satin lined, so incredibly small, at Clyde Road ladies. Even their wax model Raymond I visited daily to admire her cobweb hose and stick of rhubarb toe, as worn in Paris. The hoof. Smell my hot goat hide. Feel my royal weight. Bloom, cross-lacing. Too tight? If you bungle, handy Andy, I'll kick your football for you. Not to lace the wrong eyelet as I did the night of the, of the bazaar dance. Bad luck. Look in wrong tash of her person you mentioned. That night she met. Now. He knots the lace. Bella places her foot on the floor. Bloom raises his head. Her heavy face, her eyes strike him in mid-brow. His eyes grow dull, darker and pouched. His nose thickens. Bloom mumbles. Awaiting your further orders, you remain gentlemen. Bellow, with a hard basilisk stare in a baritone voice. And a dishonor. Bloom infatuated. Empress. Bellow, his heavy cheek chops sagging. Adora of the adulterous rump. Bloom plaintively. Hugeness. Dung devourer. Bloom with sinews semi-flexed. Magnificence. Damn. He taps her on the shoulder with his fan. Incline feet forward. Slide left foot one pace back. You will fall. You're falling. On the hands, Dan. Bloom, her eyes upturned in the sign of admiration, closing. Truffles. With a piercing epileptic cry, she sinks on all fours, grunting, snuffling, rooting at his feet, then lies, shamming dead with eyes shut tight, trembling eyelids, bowed upon the ground in the attitude of most excellent master. Bellow, with bobbed hair, purple gills, fat moustache, rings around his shaven mouth and mountaineer's puttees, green silver-button coat, sports skirt and alpine hat with moorcock's feather, his hands stuck deep in his breeches' pockets, places his heel on her neck and grinds it in. Feel my entire weight. Bow, bond slave before the throne of your despot's glorious heels so glistening in their proud erectness. Bloom enthralled. Bleats. I promise never to disobey. Bella laughs loudly. Ha! Holy smoke! You little know what's in store for you. I'm the tartar to settle your little lot and break you in. I'll bet Kentucky cocktails all round I shame it out of you, old son. Cheat me, I dare you. If you do tremble in anticipation of heel discipline to be inflicted in gym costume. Bloom creeps under the sofa and peers out through the fringe. Zoe widening her slip to screen her. She's not here. Bloom closing her eyes. She's not here. Flory hiding her with her gown. She didn't mean it, Mr. Bellow. She'll be good, sir. Kitty. Don't be too hard on her, Mr. Bellow. Sure you won't, ma'am, sir. Bellow, coaxingly. Come, ducky dear. I want a word with you, darling, just to administer correction. Just a little heart-to-heart talk, sweetie. Bloom puts out her timid head. There's a good girly now. Bellow grabs her hair violently and drags her forward. I only want to correct you for your own good on a safe, soft, safe spot. Has that tender behind? Oh, ever so gently, pet. Begin to get ready. Bloom, fainting. Don't tear my... Bellow, savagely. 
The nosering, the pliers, the bastinado, the hanging hook, the knout I'll make you kiss while the flutes play like the Nubian slave of old. You're in for it this time. I'll make you remember me for the balance of your natural life. His forehead veins swollen, his face congested. I shall sit on your Ottoman saddleback every morning after my thumping good breakfast of Matterson's fat ham rashers and a bottle of Guinness's porter. He belches. What? And suck my thumping good stock exchange cigar while I read the licensed Vickler's Gazette. Very possibly, I'll have you slaughtered and skewered in my stables and enjoy a slice of you with crisp crackling from the baking tin, basted and baked like a suckling pig with rice and lemon or currant sauce. Ooh, it'll hurt you. He twists her arm. Bloom squeaks, turning turtle. Don't be cruel, nurse. Don't. Bellow, twisting. Another! Bloom screams. Oh, it's hell itself! Every nerve in my body aches like mad! Bellow shouts. Good! By the rumping, jumping general! That's the best bit of news I heard these six weeks, eh? Don't keep me waiting, damn you! He slaps her face. You're after hitting me. I'll tell. Hold him down, girls, till I squat on him. Zoe. Yes, walk on him. I will. Flory. I will. Don't be crazy. Kitty. No, me. Lend him to me. The brothel cook, Mrs. Keogh, wrinkled, grey-bearded in the greasy bib, men's grey and green socks and brogues, flower-smeared, a rolling pin stuck with raw pastry in her bare red arm and hand, appears at the door. Mrs. Keogh ferociously. Can I help? They hold and pinion Bloom. Bellow squats with a grunt on Bloom's upturned face, puffing cigar smoke, nursing a fat leg. I see Keating Clay is elected chairman of the Richmond Asylum and by the by Guinness's preference shares are at 16 three quarters. Curse me for a fool that I didn't buy that lot Craig and Gardner told me about. Just my infernal luck. Curse it. And that goddamned outsider throw away at 20 to 1. He quenches his cigar angrily on Bloom's ear. Where's that goddamn cursed ashtray? Bloom, goaded, buttock smothered. Oh, oh, monsters. Cruel one. Bellow. Ask for that every ten minutes. Beg. Pray for it as you never prayed before. He thrusts out a figged fist and foul cigar. Here, kiss that. Both. Kiss. He throws a leg astride and pressing with horseman's knees, calls in a hard voice. Gee up. Cockcross to Banbury Cross. I'll ride him for the eclipse stakes. He bends sideways and squeezes his mount's testicles roughly, shouting. Oh, off we pop. I'll nurse you in proper fashion. He horse rides, cockhorse, leaping in the saddle. The lady goes a pace, a pace, and the coachman goes a trot, a trot, and the gentleman goes a gallop, a gallop, a gallop, a gallop, a gallop. Flory pulls at Bellow. Let me on him now. You had enough. I asked before you. Zoe pulling at Flory. Me, me. Are you not finished with him yet, Succorus? Bloom stifling. Cat. Bellow. Well, I'm not. Wait. He holds in his breath. Curse it. Here, this bung's about burst. He uncorks himself behind, then, contorting his features, farts loudly. Take that! He recorks himself. Yes, by Jingo, sixteen three quarters. Bloom, a sweat breaking out over him. Not man. He sniffs. Woman. Bellow stands up. No more blow hot and cold. What you long for has come to pass. Henceforth, you are unmanned and mine in earnest. A thing under the yoke. Now, for your punishment frock, you will shed your male garments. You understand, Ruby Cohen? And don the shot silk luxuriously rustling overhead and shoulders and quickly too. Bloom shrinks. Silk, mistress said. Oh, crinkly, scrapey. Must I tip touches with my nails? Bellow points to his whores. As they are now, so will you be. Wigged, singed, perfume sprayed, rice padded with smooth shaven armpits. 
Tape measurements will be taken next to your skin. You will be laced with cruel force into vice-like corsets of soft dove coutille with whalebone bust to the diamond trim pelvis, the absolute outside edge, while your figure, plumper than when at large, will be restrained in neck-tight frocks, pretty two-ounce petticoats and fringes and things stamped, of course, with my house flag. Questions of lovely lingerie for Alice, a nice scent for Alice. Alice will feel the pull pulled. Martha and Mary will be a little chilly at first in such delicate thigh casing. But the frilly flimsiness of lace around your bare knees will remind you... Bloom. Charming soubrette with dobby cheeks, mustard hair and large male hands and nose leering mouth. I tried her things on only once. A small prank in Hollow Street. We were hard up, I washed them to save the laundry bill. My own shirts I turned. It was the purest thrift. Bellow jeers. Oh, little jobs that make your mother pleased, eh? And showed off coquettishly in your domino at the mirror behind closed-drawn blinds, your unskirted thighs and hay goats udders in various poses of surrender, eh? Oh, I had to laugh. That second-hand black opera top shift and short trunk leg naughty all split up the stitches at our last rape that Mrs. Miriam Dandrade sold you from the Shelbourne Hotel, eh? Miriam, black, demi-mondaine. Ha! Christ almighty! It's too tickling, this. You were nice-looking, Miriam, when you clipped off your back gate airs and lay swooning in the thing across the bed as Mrs. Danraid, about to be violated by Lieutenant Smythe Smythe, Mr. Philip Augustus Blockwell, MP, Signor Lacey D'Aremo, the robust tenor, Blue-Eyed Burt, lift boy, Emery Flurry of Gordon Bennett fame, Sheridan, the quadroon Croesus, the varsity wet bob ape from Old Trinity, Ponto, a splendid Newfoundland and Bob's, Dadger dusted Duchess of Moorhawk Manor Hamilton. He guffaws again. <laughs> Christ, wouldn't it make a Siamese cat laugh? Bloom, her hands and features working. It was Gerald converted me to be a true corset lover when I was female impersonator in the high school play Vice Versa. It was dear Gerald. He got that kink, fascinated by sisters' staves. Now, dearest Gerald, uses pinky grease paint and gilds his eyelids. Cult of the beautiful. Bella with wicked glee. Beautiful, give us a breather. When you took your seat with womanish care, lifting your billowy flounces on the smooth worn throne. Science, to compare the various joys we each enjoy. Earnestly. And really, it's better the position, because often I used to wet. Bellow sternly. No insubordination. The sawdust is there in the corner for you. I gave you strict instructions, didn't I? Do it standing, sir. I'll teach you to behave like a gentleman. If I catch a trace of your swaddles, aha! By the ass of the Dorans, you'll find them a martinet. The sins of your past are rising against you. Many, hundreds... The sins of the past in a medley of voices. He went through a form of clandestine marriage with at least one woman in the shadow of the Unspeakable black church. Unspeakable messages he telephoned mentally to Miss Darnett and address in Dorlia Street while he presented himself indecently to the instrument. By word indeed, he encouraged a nocturnal strumpet to deposit fecal and other matter in an unsanitary outhouse attached to empty in premises. In five public conveniences, he wrote penciled messages offering his nuptial partner to all strong And by the males. offensively smelling vitriol works, did he not pass night after night by loving couples to see if... Um, what and how much he did he not lie in bed, the gross bore gloating over a nauseous fragment of well-used toilet paper presented to him by a nasty harlot, stimulated by gingerbread and a postal order. Bella whistles loudly. Oh, say, was that the most revolting piece of obscenity in all your career of crime? Go to the whole hog. Puke it out. 
Be candid for once. Mute, inhuman faces throng forward, leering, vanishing, gibbering. Buluhum, Poldy Cock, Bootlaces a Penny, Cassidy's Hag, Blind Stripling, Larry Rhinoceros, the girl, the woman, the whore, the other, the. Don't ask me. Our mutual fate. Pleasant Street. I only caught the half of the. Swear on my sacred oath. Bellow peremptorily. Answer, repugnant wretch. I insist on knowing. Tell me something to amuse me, smut, or a bloody good ghost story, or a line of poetry. Quick, quick, quick! Where, how, what time? With how many? I'll give you just three seconds. One, two, three. Bloom, docile, gurgles. I repugnant, repugnant. Bellow imperiously. Ah, get out, you skunk! Hold your tongue! Speak when you're spoken to. Bloom bows. Master, mistress, man tamer. He lifts his arms. His bangle bracelets fall. Bellow satirically. By day you will souse and bat our smelling underclothes. Also, when we ladies are unwell and swab out our latrines, with dresses pinned up and a dishclout tied to your tail. Won't that be nice? He places a ruby ring on her finger. And there now, with this ring, I be own. Say thank you, mistress. Thank you, mistress. You will make the beds, get my tub ready, empty the piss pots in different rooms, including old Mrs. Keogh's the cook's, a sandy one. Aye. And rinse the seven of them well, mind, or lap it up like champagne. Drink me piping hot. Oh, you will dance attendance, or I'll let you on your misdeeds, Miss Ruby, and spank your bare bot right well, miss, with the airbrush. You'll be taught the error of your ways. At night, your well-cream, braceleted hands will wear 43 button gloves, new powder with talc, and having delicately scented fingertips. For such favours, knights of old laid down their lives. He chuckles. <laughs> My boys will be no end charmed to see you so ladylike, the colonel above all. When they come here the night before the wedding to fondle my new attraction in gilded heels, first I'll have a go at you myself. A man I know on the turf named Charles Alberta Marsh. I was in bed with him just now, and another gentleman out of the Hannibal and Petty Bag office. He's on the lookout for a new maid of all work at a short knock. Swell the bust, smile, droop shoulders. What offers? He points. For that lot trained by owner to fetch and carry, basket in mass. He bares his arm and plunges it elbow deep in Bloom's vulva. That's fine depth for you. What, boys? That gives you a hard on? He shoves his arm in a bitter's face. Here, wet the deck and wipe it round. A bitter. A florin. Dylan's lackey rings his handbell. A voice. One and eightpence too much. The lackey. Bang. Charles Alberta Marsh. Must be virgin. Good breath. Clean. Bellow gives a rap with his gavel. Two bar, rock bottom figure and cheap at the price. Fourteen hands high. Touch and examine his points. Handle him. This downy skin, these soft muscles, this tender flesh. If I only had my gold piercer here, and quite easy to milk, three new laid gallons a day, a pure stopgap, due to lay within the hour. His sire's milk record was a thousand gallons of whole milk in 40 weeks. Oh, my jewel, beggar. Whoa. He brands his initial C on Bloom's croup. So, warranted Cohen, what advance on two bob, gentlemen? A dark-visaged man in disguised accent. Hundred put sterling. Voices subdued. For the Rashid. Bellow gaily. Right, let them all come, the scanty, daringly short skirt, riding up at the knee to show a peep of white pantalette is a potent weapon, and transparent stockings, emerald gartered with the long straight seam trailing up beyond the knee. <gasps> Appeal to the better instincts of the blasé man about tan. 
Learn the smooth mincing walk on forage Louis XV heels, the Grecian bend with provoking croup, the thighs, fluescent knees, modestly kissing. Bring all your power of fascination to bear on them. Pander to their gomoran vices. Bloom bends his blushing face into his armpit and simpers with forefinger and mouth. Oh, I know what you're hinting at now. What else are you good for, an impotent thing like you? He stoops and peering pokes with his fan rudely under the fat suet folds of Bloom's haunches. Up, up! Manx cat, what have we here? Where's your curly teapot gone to, or who docked it on you, cock-it-cock yolly? Sing, birdie, sing! It's a limp of a boy of six doing his poolie behind a cart. Buy a bucket or sell your pump. Loudly. Can you do a man's job? Eccles Street. Bellow sarcastically. I wouldn't hurt your feelings for the world, but there's a man of brawn in possession there. The table's a turn, my gay young fellow. He's something like a full-grown outdoor man. Well, for you, you muff. You had that weapon with knobs and lumps and warts all over it. He shot his bolt, I can tell you. Foot to foot, knee to knee, belly to belly, bobs to breast. He's no eunuch. A shock of red hair he has sticking out of him behind like a furze brush. Wait for nine months, my lad. Holy ginger, it's kicking and coughing up and down in the guts already. <sighs> Makes you wild, don't it? Touches the spot. He spits in contempt. Me too. I was indecently treated. I informed the police. Hundred pounds. Unmentionable. I... Well, if you could. Lame duck. A downpour we want, not your drizzle. To drive me mad. Moll, I forgot. Forgive. Moll. We still... Bellow ruthlessly. No, Leopold Bloom. All is changed by a woman's will since you slept horizontal in Sleepy Hollow your night of twenty years. Return and see. Old Sleepy Hollow calls over the world. Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle. Bloom in tattered moccasins with a rusty fowling piece, tiptoeing, finger-tipping his haggard, bony, bearded face, peering through the diamond pane, cries out. I see her. It's she. The first night at Matt Dillon's. That dress, the green, and her hair is dyed gold, and he... Bellow laughs mockingly. That's your daughter, you owl, with a Mullingar student. Millie Bloom, fair-haired, green-vested, slim-sandaled, her blue scarf in the sea-wind simply swirling, breaks from the arms of her lover and calls, her young eyes wonder-wide. My, it's Papley. But, oh, Papley... How old you've grown. Bellow. Changed, eh? Our whatnot, our writing table where we never wrote, Aunt Hegarty's armchair, our classic reprints of old masters, a man and his men friends are living there in clover, the cuckoo's rest. Why not? How many women had you, say, following them up dark streets, flat foot, exciting them by your smothered grunts? What, you male prostitute, blameless dames with parcels of groceries, turn about, Sauce for the goose, my gander. Oh, they... I... Bellow cuttingly. Their heel marks will stamp the brosselette carpet you bought at Wren's auction. In their horseplay with Mole the Romp to find the buck flea and her breeches, they'll deface the little statue you carried home in the rain for art for art's sake. They'll violate the secrets of your bottom drawer. Pages will be torn from your handbook of astronomy to make them pipe spills. And they'll spit in your ten-shilling brass fender from Hampton's Leedens. Ten and six. The act of low scoundrels. Let me go. I will return. I will prove. A voice. Swear. Bloom clenches his fists and crawls forward, a bowie knife between his teeth. Bellow. As a paying guest or a kept man. Too late. 
You've made your second best bed and others must lie in it. Your epitaph's written. You're down and out and don't you forget it, old bean. Justice. All Ireland versus one. Has nobody... He bites his thumb. Die and be damned to you if you have any sense of decency or grace about you. I can give you a rare old wine that will send you skipping to hell and back. Sign a will and leave us any corn you have. If you have none, see you damn well get it, steal it, rob it. We'll bury you in our shrubbery drakes where Jake's where you'll be dead and dirty with old Cup Cohen, my stepnephew I married, the bloody old gouty procurer and sodomite with a crick in his neck. But my other ten or eleven husbands, whatever the bugger's names were, suffocated in the one cesspool. He explodes in a loud phlegmy laugh. <laughs> we'll manure you, Mr. Flower. He pipes scoffingly. Bye bye, Poldy, bye bye, Patley. Bloom clasps his head. My willpower, memory. I have sinned. I have suffered. He weeps tearlessly. Bellow sneers. Cry, baby, crocodile tears. Bloom, broken, closely veiled for the sacrifice, sobs, his face to the earth. The passing bell is heard. Dark-shawled figures of the circumcised in sackcloth and ashes stand by the wailing wall. Mr. Shulamowitz, Joseph Goldwater, Moses Herzog, Harris Rosenberg, Mr. Moisel, J. Citron, Minnie Watchman, O. Mastiansky, the Reverend Leopold Abramovitz, Shazen. With swaying arms they wail in pneuma over the recreant bloom. The circumcised, in a dark guttural chant as they cast dead sea fruit upon him, no flowers. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Eshah. Voices sighing. <sighs> so he's gone. Ah, yes. Yes, indeed. Bloom? Never heard of him. No. Queer kind of chap. There's the widow. That's so. Ah, uh, yes. From the settee pyre, the flame of gum campfire ascends. The pall of incense smoke screens and disperses. Out of her oak frame, a nymph, with hair unbound, lightly clad in tea-brown art colours, descends from her grotto and, passing under interlacing yews, stands over Bloom. The yews, their leaves whispering. Sister, our, our sister. sister. The nymph, softly. Mortal. Kindly. Nay, dost not weepest? Bloom crawls jellily forward under the boughs, streaked by sunlight. With dignity. This position. I felt it was expected of me. Force out. Mortal, you found me in evil company. High kickers, Costa picnic makers, pugilists, popular generals, immoral panto boys in flesh tights and the nifty shimmy dancers, La Aurora and Carini, musical act, the hit of the century. I was hidden in cheap pink paper that smelt of rock oil. I was surrounded by the stale smut of clubmen. Stories to disturb callow youth, ADSF or transparencies, trued up Dyson bus pads, proprietary articles, and why wear a trust with testimonial from ruptured gentlemen. Useful hints to the married. Bloom lifts a turtle head towards her lap. We have met before, on another star. The nymph, sadly. Rubber goods, never rip. Brand is applied to the aristocracy, corset for men, eye cure fits or money refunded, unsolicited testimonials for Professor Waldman's wonderful chest exuber. My bust developed four inches in three weeks, reports Mrs. Gus Rublin, with photo. 
You mean photo bits? I do. You bore me away, framed me in oaken tinsel, set me above your marriage couch. Unseen one summer eve, you kissed me in four places, and with loving pencil you shaded my eyes, my bosom, and my shame. Bloom humbly kisses her long hair. Your classic curves, beautiful, immortal. I was glad to look on you, to praise you, a thing of beauty, almost to pray. During dark nights, I heard your praise. Bloom, quickly. Yes, yes. You mean that I... Sleep reveals the worst side of everyone, children perhaps excepted. I know I fell out of my bed, or rather was pushed. Steel wine is said to cure snoring. For the rest, there was that English invention, a pamphlet of which I received some days ago incorrectly addressed. It claims to afford a noiseless, inoffensive vent. <sighs> Twas ever thus. Frailty, thy name is marriage. The nymph, her fingers in her ears. And words, they are not in my dictionary. You understood them? The use. The nymph covers her face with her hand. What have I not seen in that chamber? What must my eyes look down on? Bloom apologetically. I know. Soiled personal linen, wrong side up with care. The quats are loose. From Gibraltar by long sea, long ago. The nymph bends her head. Worse. Worse. Bloom reflects precautiously. That antiquated commode. It wasn't her weight. She scales just 11 stone 9. She put on nine pounds after weaning. It was a crack and want of glue, eh? That absurd orange-keyed utensil which has only one handle. The sound of a waterfall is heard in bright cascade. The waterfall. The ewes mingling their boughs. Listen, whisper. She's right, our sister. We grew by Pulafuca waterfall. We gave shade on languorous summer days. John Wise Nolan in the background, an Irish national forester's uniform, doffs his plumed hat. Prosper! Give shade on languorous days, trees of Ireland. The ewes murmuring. Who came to Pulafuca with the high school excursion? Who left his not questing classmates to seek our shade? Bloom, pigeon-breasted, bottle-shouldered, padded, in nondescript juvenile grey and black striped suit, too small for him, white tennis shoes, bordered stockings with turnover tops, and a red school cap with badge. I was in my teens, a growing boy, little then sufficed, a jolting car, the mingling odours of the ladies' cloakroom and lavatory, the throng penned tight on the old royal stairs, for they love crushes. Instincts of the herd, and the dark, sex-smelling theatre on bridles vice. Even the priceless of their hosiery. And then the heat. There were sunspots that summer. End of school. And taxi cake. Halcyon days. Halcyon days. High school boys in blue and white football jerseys and shorts. Master Donald Turnbull. Master Abraham Chatterton. Master Owen Goldberg. Master Jack Meredith. Master Percy Apjohn. Stand in a clearing of the trees and shout to Master Leopold Bloom. The Halcyon days. Macro, leave us again. Hooray! They cheer. Bloom, hobbledehoy, warm-gloved, mama muffled, stunned with spent snowballs, struggles to rise. Again! I feel sixteen. What a lark. Let's ring all the bells in Montague Street. He cheers feebly. Hooray for the high school. The echo. Fool. The ewes rustling. She's right, our sister. Whispered kisses are heard in all the wood. Faces of hamadryads peep out from the bowls and among the leaves and break blossoming into bloom. Who profaned our silent shade? The nymph, coyly, through parting fingers. There, in the open air. The ewes sweeping downward. Sister, yes, 
and on our virgin sword. The waterfall. The nymph with wide fingers. Oh, infamy! Bloom. I was precocious. Youth. The fawns. The sacrifice to the god of the forest. Flowers that bloom in the spring. It was pairing time. Pillory attraction is a natural phenomenon. Lottie Clark, flaxen haired. I saw her night toilette through ill closed curtains with poor papa's opera glasses. The wanton a grass wildly. She rolls down hill, hill at Rialto Bridge to tempt me with her flow of animal spirits. She climbed their crooked tree and I, saint who couldn't resist it, the demon possessed me. Besides, he saw. Staggering Bob, a white pulled calf, thrusts a ruminating head with humid nostrils through the foliage. Me, me, see. Bloom. Simply satisfying a need. With pathos. No girl would when I went girling. Too ugly. They wouldn't play. High on Benhoth, through rhododendrons, a nanny goat passes, plum puttered, buddy tailed, dropping currants. The nanny goat bleats. Mega gig! Nanny nanny! Bloom, hatless, flushed, covered with burrs of thistledown and gorse pine. Regularly engaged. Circumstances alter cases. He gazes intently downward on the water. Thirty-two head over heels per second. Press nightmare. Giddy Elijah. Fall from cliff. Sad end of government printer's carp. Through silver silent summer air, the dummy of Bloom, rolled in a mummy, rolls rotatingly from the lion's head cliff into the purple wading waters. The dummy mummy. <laughs> Far out in the bay between Bailey and Kish lights, the Aaron's king sails, sending a broadening plume of coal smoke from her funnel towards the land. Councillor Nanetti, alone on deck, in dark alpaca, yellow kite-faced, his hand in his waistcoat opening, declaims, When my country takes her place among the nations of the earth, then, and not till then, let my epitaph be written. I have... Bloom. Done. The nymph, loftily. We mortals, as you saw today, have not such a place, no hair there either. We are stone-cold and pure. We eat electric light. She arches her body in lascivious crispation, placing her forefinger in her mouth. Spoke to me, heard from behind. How then could you... Bloom, pacing the heather abjectly. Oh, I have been a perfect pig. Enemas too I have administered. One third of a pint of quassia, to which add a tablespoonful of rock salt up the fundament. Hamilton Long's syringe, the lady's friend. In my presence... The powder puff. She blushes and makes a knee. And the rest. Bloom, dejected. Yes, Pacavi. I have paid homage on that living altar where the back changes name. With sudden fervor. For why should the dainty scented jeweled hand, the hand that rules... Figures wind serpenting in slow woodland pattern around the tree stems, cooing. The voice of Kitty in the thicket. Show us one of them cushions. The voice of Flory. Yeah. A grouse wings clumsily through the underwood. The voice of Lynch in the thicket. Oh, piping hot. The voice of Zoe from the thicket. Came from a hot place. The voice of Virag, a bird chief, blue streaked and feathered in war panoply with his assegai striding through the crackling canebrake over beech mast and acorns. Hot, hot, where sitting bull. Bloom. It overpowers me. The warm impress of her warm form. Even to sit where a woman has sat, especially with divaricated thighs, as though to grant the last favours, most especially with previously well-uplifted white sateen coat ends. So womanly full, 
fills me full. The waterfall. The use. Sister, speak. The nymph, eyeless, in nun's white habit, coif and huge winged wimple, softly with remote eyes. Tranquilla convent, Sister Agatha, Mount Carmel, the apparitions of Nock and Lords. No more desire. She reclines her head, sighing. Only the ethereal, where dreamy, creamy gull waves o'er the water star. Bloom half rises, his back trousers button snaps. The button. Bip! Two sluts of the coom dance rainily by, shawled, yelling flatly. The sluts. Oh, Leopold's lesson in his drawers, he didn't, he didn't know, know what, what to, to do, to keep it up, to keep it up. Bloom, coldly. You have broken the spell, the last straw. If there were only ethereal, where would you all be, postulants and novices? Shy but willing, like an ass pissing. The ewes, their silver foil of leaves precipitating, their skinny arms aging and swaying. Disingenuously. The nymph. Sacrilege! To attempt my virtue! A large, moist stain appears on her robe. Sally, my innocence! You are not fit to touch the garment of a pure woman! She clutches in her robe. Wait, Satan! You'll sing no more love songs. Amen, 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 amen. She draws a poniard and, clad in the sheath mail of an elected knight of nine, strikes at his loins. Make him! Bloom starts up, seizes her hand. Hoy, Nebricata, cut him nine lives. Fair play, madam. No pruning knife. The fox and the grapes, is it? What do we lack with your barbed wire? Crucifix not thick enough? He clutches her veil. Holy Abbot, you want, or Brophy, the lame gardener, or the spoutless statue of the water carrier, or good Mother Alphonsus, eh, Renard? The nymph, with a cry, flees from him unveiled, her plaster cast cracking, a cloud of stench escaping from the cracks. <laughs> Bloom calls after her. As if you didn't get it on the double yourselves. No jerks and multiple mucosities all over you. I tried it. Your strength, our witness. What's her stuff be? What will you play on the nail? You female dances on the Riviera, I read. The fleeing nymph raises a keen. Eh? I have sixteen years of black slave labour behind me. And would a jury give me five shillings alimony tomorrow, eh? Fool someone else, not me. He sniffs. But onions, stale, sulphur, grease. The figure of Bella Cohen stands before him. You'll know me next time. Bloom, composed, regards her. Passe, mutton-dressed lamb. Long in the tooth and superfluous hairs. A raw onion the last thing at night would benefit your complexion. And take some double chin drill. Your eyes are as vapid as the glass eyes of your stuffed fox. You have the dimensions of your other features, that's all. I'm not a triple screw propeller. Bella contemptuously. You're not game, in fact. Her sow cunt barks. Borat! Bloom contemptuously. Clean your nailless middle finger first. The cold spunk of your bully is dripping from your coxcomb. Take a handful of hay and wipe yourself. I know you, canvasser. Dead cod. I saw him, Kipkeeper. Pox and Gleepbender. Bella turns to the piano. Which of you was playing the Dead March from Seoul? Zoe. Me. Mind your cornflowers. She darts to the piano and bangs chords on it with crossed arms. The cats ramble through the slag. She glances back. Eh? Who's making love to my sweeties? She darts back to the table. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is my own. Kitty, disconcerted, coats her teeth with the silver paper. Bloom approaches Zoe. Bloom, gently. Give me back that potato, will you? Forfeits. A fine thing and a super fine thing. Bloom with feeling. It is nothing, but still a relic of poor mamma. Give a thing and take it back. 
God'll ask you, where is that? You'll say you don't know. God'll send you down below. There's a memory attached to it. I should like to have it. Stephen. To have or not to have? That is the question. Zoe. Here. She hauls up a reef of her slip, revealing her bare thigh, and unrolls the potato from the top of her stocking. Those that hides knows where to find. Bella frowns. Here, this isn't a musical peep show. And don't you smash that piano. Who's paying here? She goes to the pianola. Stephen fumbles in his pocket, and taking out a banknote by its corner, hands it to her. Stephen with exaggerated politeness. This silken purse I made out of the sow's ear of the public. Madam, excuse me, if you allow me... He indicates vaguely Lynch and Bloom. We are all in the same sweepstake. Kinch and Lynch. Dans un bordel, tenant notre état. Lynch calls from the hearth. Dealers, give her your blessing from me. Stephen hands Bella a coin. Gold, she has it. Bella looks at the money, then at Zoe, Flory and Kitty. You want three goals? Ten shillings here. Stephen, delightedly. A hundred thousand apologies. He fumbles again and takes out and hands her two crowns. Permit. Brevi Manu. My sight is somewhat troubled. Bella goes to the table to count the money while Stephen talks to himself in monosyllables. Zoe bounds over to the table. Kitty leans over Zoe's neck. Lynch gets up, writes his cap, and clasping Kitty's waist, adds his head to the group. Flory strives heavily to rise. She limps over to the table. Bloom approaches. Bella, Zoe, Kitty, Lynch, Bloom, chattering and squabbling. The gentleman. Ten shillings. Paying for the three. Allow me a moment. This gentleman plays separate. Who's touching it? Oh, mind who you're pinching. Are you staying the night or a short time? Indeed. You liar. Excuse me. The gentleman paid down like a gentleman. Drink. It's long after leather. Stephen at the pianola making a gesture of abhorrence. No bottles. What? Eleven? A riddle. Zoe, lifting up her pettigown and folding a half-sovereign into the top of her stocking. Hard-earned on the flat of my back. Lynch, lifting Kitty from the table. Come. Kitty. Wait. She clutches the two crowns. Flory. And me. Lynch. Hoopla. He lifts her, carries her, and bumps her down on the sofa. Stephen. The fox crew, the cocks flew, the bells in heaven were striking eleven. Tis time for a poor soul to get out of heaven. Bloom quietly leaves a half-sovereign on the table between Bella and Flory. So, allow me. He takes up the pound note. Three times ten. We're square. Bella, admiringly. You're such a sly boots, old cocky. I could kiss you. Zoe points. Hum? Deep as a drop. Lynch bends Kitty back over the sofa and kisses her. Bloom goes with the pound note to Stephen. Bloom. This is yours. Stephen. Uh, how, how is that? He fumbles again in his pocket and draws out a handful of coins. An object falls. <laughs> that fell. Bloom, stooping, picks up and hands a box of matches. This. Lucifer. Thanks. Bloom, quietly. You had better hand over that cash to me to take care of. Why pay more? Stephen hands him all his coins. Be just before you are generous. I will. Is it wise? He counts. One, seven, eleven, and five. Six? Eleven? I don't answer for what you may have lost. Why striking eleven? Proparoxyton. Moment before the next lesson says. Thirsty fox. He laughs loudly. <laughs> Burying his grandmother. Probably he killed her. That is one pound six and eleven. One pound seven, say. Doesn't matter, rambling down. No, but... Stephen comes to the table. Cigarette, please. Lynch tosses a cigarette from the sofa to the table. And so Georgina Johnson is dead and married. A cigarette appears on the table. Stephen looks at it. Wonder. Parlour magic. Married. 
He strikes a match and proceeds to light the cigarette with enigmatic melancholy. Lynch, watching him. You would have a better chance of lighting it if you held the match nearer. Stephen brings the match nearer his eye. Lynx's eye must get glasses. Broke them yesterday. Sixteen years ago. Distance. The eye sees all flat. He draws the match away. It goes out. Brain thinks near, far. Ineluctable modality of the visible. He frowns mysteriously. <clears throat> Sphinx, the beast that has two backs at midnight. Married? Zoe. It was a commercial traveller married her and took her away with him. Flory nods. Mm-hmm. Mr. Lamb from London. Stephen. Lamb of London, who takest away the sins of our world. Lynch, embracing Kitty on the sofa, chants deeply. The cigarette slips from Stephen's fingers. Bloom picks it up and throws it into the grate. Bloom. Don't smoke. You ought to eat. Curse dog, I mess. To Zoe. You have nothing? Zoe. Is he hungry? Stephen extends his hand to her, smiling, and chants to the air of the blood oath in the dusk of the gods. Hangende hunger, fragende Frau, macht uns alle kaputt. Zoe, tragically. Hamlet, I am thy father's gimlet. She takes his hand. Blue-eyed beauty, I'll read your hand. She points to his forehead. No wit, no wrinkles. She counts. Two, three, Mars, that's courage. Stephen shakes his head. No kid. Lynch. Sheep lightning courage, the youth who could not shiver and shake. To Zoe. Who taught you palmistry? Zoe turns. Ask my bollocks that I haven't got. To Stephen. I see it in your face, the eye like that. She frowns with lowered head. Lynch, laughing, slaps Kitty behind twice. Like that, pandybat. Twice loudly, a pandybat cracks. The coffin of the pianola flies open. The bald little round jack-in-the-box head of Father Dolan springs up. Father Dolan. Any boy want frogging? Break his glasses? Lazy-eyed little schemer. See it in your eye. Mild, benign, rectorial reproving, the head of Don John Conmey rises from the pianola coffin. Don John Conmey. Now, Father Dolan, now, I'm sure that Stephen is a very good little boy. Zoe, examining Stephen's palm. Woman's hand. Stephen murmurs. Continue, lie, hold me, caress. I can never read his handwriting except his criminal thumbprint on the haddock. What day were you born? Thursday. Today. Thursday's child has far to go. She traces lines on his hand. Line of fate. Influential friends. Flory points. Imagination. Zoe. Mount of the moon. You'll meet with a... She peers at his hands abruptly. I won't tell you what's not good for you. Or do you want to know? Bloom detaches her fingers and offers his palm. More harm than guys. Here, read mine. Bella. Show! She turns up Bloom's hand. I thought so. Knobby knuckles for the women. Zoe, peering at Bloom's palm. Gridiron. Travels beyond the sea and marry money. Wrong. Zoe, quickly. Oh, I see. Short little finger. Henpecked husband. That wrong? Black Liz, a huge rooster hatching in a chopped circle, rises, stretches her wings and clucks. Black Liz. <laughs> she sidles from her new laid egg and waddles off. Bloom points to his hand. That wheel there is an accident. Fell and cut us 22 years ago. I was 16. Zoe. I see, says the blind man. Tell us news. Stephen. See? Moves to one great goal. I am 22 too. 16 years ago, I 22 tumbled. 22 years ago, he 16 fell off his hobby horse. He winces. Hurt my hand somewhere. Must see a dentist. Money? 
Zoe whispers to Flory. They giggle. Bloom releases his hand and writes idly on the table in backhand, penciling slow curves. What? A hackney car, number 324, with a gallant-buttocked mare, driven by James Barton, Harmony Avenue Donnybrook, trots past. Blazes Boylan and Lenahan sprawl, swaying on the side seats. The Ormond boots crouches behind on the axle, sadly over the cross-blind, Lydia Deuce and Mina Kennedy gaze. The boots, jogging, mocks them with thumb and wriggling worm fingers. Ha ha, have you the horn? Bronze by gold, they whisper. Zoe to Flory. Whisper. They whisper again. Over the well of the car, blazes Boylan, leans, his boater's straw set sideways, a red flower in his mouth. Lenahan, in a yachtsman's cap and white shoes, officiously detaches a long hair from blazes Boylan's shoulder. Lenahan. Oh, what do I hear, behold? Were you brushing the cobwebs off a few quins? Boylan, seated, smiles. Clucking a turkey. Lenahan. A good night's work. Boylan, holding up four thick, blunt, ungulated fingers, winks. Blazes, Kate. Up to sample of your money back. He holds out a forefinger. Smell that. Lenahan smells gleefully. Ah, lobster and mayonnaise. Ah. Zoe and Flory laugh together. <laughs> Boylan jumps surely from the car and calls loudly for all to hear. Hello, Bloom. Mrs. Bloom up yet? Bloom in a flunky's plum plush coat and knee breeches. Buff stockings and a powdered wig. I'm afraid not, sir. The last article. Boylan tosses him sixpence. Here, to buy yourself a gin and splash. He hangs his hat smartly on a peg of Bloom's antlered head. Show me in. I have a little private business with your wife. You understand? Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Madam Tweedy is in her bath, sir. Marion. He ought to feel himself highly honoured. She plops, splashing out of the water. Raoul, darling, come and dry me. I'm in my pelt. Only my new hat and carriage sponge. Boylan, a merry twinkle in his eye. Topping? Bella. What? What is it? Zoe whispers to her. Marion. Let him look, the pishogue, pimp, and scourge himself. I'll write to a powerful prostitute, or Bartholomona, the bearded woman, to raise wheels out on him an inch thick and make him bring me back a signed and stamped receipt. Bella laughing. <laughs> Boylan, to Bloom, over his shoulder. You can apply your eye to the keyhole and play with yourself while I just go through her a few times. Bloom. Thank you, sir. I will, sir. May I bring two men jums to witness the deed and take a snapshot? He holds an ointment jar. Vaseline, sir. Orange flower. Lukewarm water. Kitty from the sofa. Tell us, Flory. Tell us. What? Flory whispers to her. Whispering love words, murmur, lip-lapping loudly. Pop-pismic, plop-slop. Mina Kennedy, her eyes upturned. Oh, it must be like the scent of geraniums and lovely peaches. Oh, he simply idolises every bit of her, stuck together, covered with kisses. Lydia Deuce, her mouth opening. Yum, yum. Oh, he's coming around the room doing it. Right, a cockroach? You could hear them in Paris and New York. Like mouthfuls of strawberries and cream. Kitty laughing. <laughs> Boylan's voice sweetly, hoarsely in the pit of his stomach. Ah, goobless crook. Brakashka crush. Marion's voice hoarsely, sweetly rising to her throat. Oh, Bloom, his eyes wildly dilated, clasps himself. Joe, hide! Joe, plow her! More! Shoot! Bella, Zoe, Flory, Kitty. Ho, oh, ho! <laughs> <laughs> Lynch points. The mirror up to nature. He laughs. laughs. 
Stephen and Bloom gaze in the mirror. The face of William Shakespeare, beardless, appears there, rigid in facial paralysis, crowned by the reflection of the reindeer antlered hat rack in the hall. Shakespeare, in dignified ventriloquy. Tis the loud laugh. This, oh, sorry, that was crap. It's okay. <laughs> Three, two, one. Shakespeare, in dignified. <laughs> <laughs> What was I saying about we making good sing. time? <laughs> <laughs> so close. Really? Um, here we go. Three, two, one. Shakespeare, in ventriloquy. Tis the loud laugh bespeaks the vacant mind. To Bloom. Thou thoughtest as how thou wastest invisible. Gaze. He crows with a black capon's laugh. Yarg ago, how my old fellow took at his bedmoment. Bloom smiles yellowly at the whores. When will I hear the joke? Zoe. Before you're twice married and once a widower. Bloom. Lapses are condoned. Even the great Napoleon, when measurements were taken near the skin after his death. Mrs. Dignam, widow woman, her snub nose and cheeks flushed with death talk, tears and Tunny's tawny sherry, hurries by in her weeds. Her bonnet awry, rouging and powdering her cheeks, lips, and nose, a pen shivying her brood of signets. Beneath her skirt appear her late husband's everyday trousers and turned-up boots, large eights. She holds a Scottish widow's insurance policy and large marquee umbrella under which her brood runs with her, Patsy hopping on one short foot, his collar loose, a hank of pork steaks dangling, Freddy whimpering, Susie with a crying cod's mouth, Alice struggling with the baby. She cuffs them on, her streamers flaunting aloft. Freddy. Oh, Ma, you're dragging me along. Susie. Mama, the beastie's fizzing over. Shakespeare with paralytic rage. What a second we're gonna the face of Martin Cunningham, bearded, refeatures Shakespeare's beardless face. The marquee umbrella sways drunkenly. The children run aside. Under the umbrella appears Mrs. Cunningham in merry widow hat and kimono gown. She glides, sidling and bowing, twisting Japaneseily. Mrs. Cunningham sings. And they call me the Joel of Asia. Martin Cunningham gazes on her, impassive. Immense. Most bloody awful, Jenny. Stephen. Et exaltavunta cornua justi. Queens lay with prize bulls. Remember Pacify for whose lust my grand old grossfather made the first confession box. Forget not Madame Gristle Stevens, nor the suine scions of the House of Lambert. And Noah was drunk with wine, and his ark was open. Bella. None of that air. Come to the wrong shop. Lynch. Let him alone. He's back from Paris. Zoe runs to Stephen and links him. Oh, go on. Give us some parley-voo. 